receive the word. And I will introduce to you our very own beautiful, powerful minister, Brittany Lamb. Hallelujah. Give God praise. Hallelujah. Come on, are you grateful for him? Bless. Thank you, Jesus. Hello, Apostles House. Beautiful people, my brothers, my sisters, to my illustrious Apostle Suzanne Howard. I call her the master of, the, of uh, exploiting opportunities. Do not ask her a question. Do not inquire anything, because you will it will turn into an assignment. Yeah. Amen. Do I got no witnesses up in here? Yeah. <laughs> no witnesses. <laughs> you may have your seats. God bless you. I truly count it a privilege to be before you this morning. Really, 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 really do. I bless God for each and every one of you, my brothers and my sisters, all those that are coming out, going forth in ministry. Good job, ADT Diana, for serving me today. ADT Tasha, awesome job with your exhortation. Come on, give them a hand. Glory to God. All right. Well, my teacher hat is on, and we are going to go right into the word today. I want to do a quick recap, see if y'all was paying attention. What are we talking about these days? The spirit of fear, right? Amen. And we talked about how if it's not conquered, we talked about all the different things that can happen to us. We're paralyzed. We're stuck. Uh, we talked about the physical effects of fear, what we experience on the inside. Um, what stuck out to me, though, was the ingrained belief that forms our identity, how fear, when it turns into a belief, it forms our very identity. So that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Um, we talked about how fear shows up in our behaviors, right? And can anyone remember how the person who struggles with the spirit of uh, fear of failure shows up? Pull out your notes, pull out your notes. Let me see if you was paying attention. We, go ahead, Pastor Kareem. Uh-huh. They put punishment on everything and everyone. Say that again. That does wrong. A legalistic theology. Anybody can tell me what a person shows up who has a fear of uh, rejection. How do you show up when you have a fear of rejection? People pleasing. Who else? Cold. Ah! That was a whole word, codependency. So we talked about people who have a fear of failure. The ones that stuck out to me with failure, failure are actually perfectionists and risk avoidance. How many avoid risk? You avoid stepping out, taking chances. Uh, we talked about those with fear of rejection. How they show up is in codependence, codependency, people pleasing, isolation. People show up in a particular way when they fear specific things. So as believers, because Christ did not give us a spirit of fear, operating in such a way uh, means that we are operating out of order, upside down, perverse, right? And what did we call that type of identity? Does anybody remember what that term was that we used? Mm. No notes? No one? Do we remember dysfunctional, humanistic identity? Oh, we gotta do some replays, we gotta do some replays. So we learned that it was called dysfunctional humanistic identity. It's very dependent on the flesh, very dependent on man's way of thinking, man's way of being versus God's way of thinking, God's way of being. We want to be careful of falling and operating out of dysfunctional, dysfunctional humanistic identity. We, said, we learned that dysfunctional humanistic identity is when who I am is based on performance, when who I am is based on meeting certain standards when who I am is based on approval of others, 
And that's linked to fear of rejection. And so, and we also looked at the emotional effects of uh, operating a dysfunctional humanistic identity. We learned that it's a sinful human identity. And as I uh, was studying and researching, it's a very inward way of thinking, very introspective. And to me personally, leaves you depressed, leaves you feeling hopeless, leaves you feeling lost. It, 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 it even makes you like just feel like you're wandering. You're not grounded in anything. And so we want to talk about that today. We want to we consider this, th those that operate out of a performance-based mindset. Performance is up and down. Performance is good or bad. You hit it this Sunday, you didn't hit it the following Sunday. The approval of others is up and down. You're either going to get it or you're not. But what does God say? I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So I just want to highlight and emphasize how important it is that we be grounded in our God identity today. Amen? And as you continue to walk in the humanistic identity, we learned about shame, and we contrasted that with guilt, right? How guilt is what you do. I feel guilty based on what I did, but shame speaks to the fundamentalness of my flaws, my human flaws. It says that I am terrible as a person, and it leads into more hiding, and I'm adding today feeling like a fraud. I want to talk about feeling like a fraud today. Let's go to our scripture. We're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, when you have it, say, got it. Amen. We got 2 Corinthians New Testament, about a few books in. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to start, I'm going to read it in the NLT, and I have another translation I want to read it in. It really kind of highlights what I, the point I want to bring out. We got it? Amen. Verse uh, 5, <clears throat> it is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the spirit gives life. And in the Good News translation, it actually says, there is nothing in us that allows us to claim that we are capable of doing this work. The capacity we have comes from God. Say that, the capacity I have comes from God. It says, he, it is he who made us capable of serving the new covenant, which consists not of a written law, but of the spirit. The written law brings death, but the spirit brings life. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 through 6. So how I kind of arrived at what I wanted to talk about today was being that we are in the fivefold teaching, deep into it, how many are enjoying it? How many, I pray, are prayerfully really going before the Lord saying, you know, where, do, where is it that you have me, God? How is it that you want to use me? Even aside from the office, what are the giftings that you've given me as your child, as your vessel in the earth? So with that, you know, we're being identified. We're about to walk into what he's called us to walk into. And naturally, fear can be associated with that, right? But we're going, oh, they say, yes, Lord. They, they ain't saying nothing else. They ain't responding to nothing else impossible. But that they responded to. <laughs> yes, it's fear. Yeah, because there's, a, there's responsibility, there's accountability. You actually have to manifest, for lack of a better word, what it is that he's deposited into you. And there can be some fear associated with that. So we want to take note of the scripture. Hold on to the scripture. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. He's saying it is God who makes you qualified. It is God who gives you the capacity. It is God who gives you the power to do what pleases him. Amen. And at this point that he's talking to the Corinthian church, uh, at, uh, the first the Corinthian church had a lot of problems. They had, they had issues with their lifestyle. They had issues with unity. In this particular letter, though, to the Corinthians, false teachers had risen up. And their identity at this point was being shaken. Their, their faith in God was being shaken. And so the Apostle Paul had to come in and really remind them and emphasize them that, listen, your sufficiency, your justification, your power, all the ability comes from God to do this work. It's not in ourselves. And if you know Paul, Paul was dope. Paul had accomplishments. Paul said himself, I can boast in my accomplishments. I have a list. 
He said, I was Hebrew of Hebrews. I came from this line, this bloodline. I obeyed the law without fault. I could boast in my, in my responsibilities, in my accomplishments. But it wasn't until Saul met the living, risen Savior in Jesus Christ and became Paul, new identity, new identity in Christ, that he said he counted everything else he accomplished as garbage, worthless, doesn't amount to anything. He said, knowing Jesus and him crucified is of infinite value. You cannot go wrong knowing Christ. You cannot go wrong trusting him as your Lord and Savior. You cannot go wrong trusting in him. It's scripture. He says, they that trust in me will never be disappointed. So he says, knowing Jesus is infinite in value. And remember, we talked about identity in this fear series and how identity, uh, we said identity is formed exclusively through relationship. And now we, we, let, we stuck it to God, that's our goal. Our, we wanna identify ourselves in God, but it made me think, well, what was I identifying with up until this point? Because whatever you identify with is shaping who you are. Whatever you're connected to is shaping who you are. Whatever you get into, you are uh, in agreement with is shaping who you are, be it a fear, be it a person, be it a habit, be it a job. Where do you find your identity? And we found that um, if we don't identify with God, you're in trouble. If that's lacking, if that's inconsistent, you will inevitably live in fear. You inevitably live uh, always not feeling adequate, always feel like you're falling short because you have not identified yourself with God. And even in uh, 2 Corinthians, in that same chapter that we just read, Paul even said, it is, it is by your own faith that you stand firm. So meaning your own conviction, your own relationship with God, it is only by your own faith that you can stand firm. And I had to think about that because I was like, okay, I grew up in a Christian household very grateful for my upbringing, everything that I've learned. I don't regret or resent any of it. Well into my, uh, uh, I would say my college adult years, I um, had a faith crisis. I said, okay, I was riding on my, the faith of my parents for so long, but then it comes to a point where you're like, okay, who am I? What does he call me to do? Who is God? Does he have a plan for my life? And you can have people speaking to your life saying, oh, you know you a preacher. You a preacher of preachers. You a reverend. Do you know you called to speak and teach the word of God? And talking to someone in faith crisis, it's like bouncing off of a wall. Until, and I remember saying, I was like, yeah, he, you saying he called me, but I don't, I don't even know him. Those words came out, as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I was like, oh, I got some work to do. So it's a relationship that I was missing out on, that identification with the father that I was missing out on. It wasn't real for years, even though I lived in a Christian household. It wasn't real to me for years. And so that caused me to operate in fear. That caused me to operate as um, saying that I was a Christian, being you know born and raised in it, but feeling phony on the inside. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about today, just that, that fear of uh, being considered a failure, seeing yourself as a failure because of your lack of confidence, your perceived lack of confidence. And so I, what I want to talk about today is what's called the imposter syndrome. You might have heard of the term. Um, I've only become familiar with this term uh, recently, but it's been going on since like 78. It's been researched since like 1978. And it's uh, uh, an all-encompassing fear of being found out to not have what it takes. Imposter syndrome is an all-encompassing fear of being found out to not have what it takes. All-encompassing fear. That means it's invading your mind. It's pervading, it's, it's, in, it's infused in you, those that experience this. One writer even said, imposter syndrome is a pervasive feeling of self-doubt, insecurity, or fraudulence. And this is the, this is the kicker. This, is the, this, this had me like, wait, what? Despite overwhelming evidence to the contrary. So you're walking around in fear, feeling like you're a fraud, I don't have what it takes, I don't belong here, I don't know why he called me, but the evidence says to the contrary. God's word says to the contrary. Uh, you've actually even experienced success. Maybe you've gotten promoted. Maybe you've gotten the new job. Maybe you've gotten the loan for your business. Maybe, um, maybe you've uh, been called to minister. Maybe you've been asked to lead a team. Maybe you've been asked to overseer. 
Maybe you've been asked to lead an assignment, but on the inside, there's a feeling of unworthiness, despite the success that you're achieving. We see that you know how to pray. We see that you can exhort. We see that you know the word. We see that you're humble. We see the love that you have, the pastor's heart that you have. But on the inside of you, we're talking to you. We're complimenting you. But in you, it's just bouncing off the wall. Faith crisis. Hallelujah. And so I want to talk about that persistent internalized fear. And then, you I mean, you can I don't even think you can chalk it up to humility because it's so far past humility. Humility says, in my weakness, he is strong. His grace is sufficient for me. This is what we're talking about. You're constantly putting yourself down. Putting yourself at the center while thinking of yourself less. There's a, just, it's, it's contrary to the word and the truth of God. And it sounds so irrational, but we actually go through these things. It said 70% of the population goes through these types of thoughts. And initially when, when um, research, they were initially researching this imposter phenomenon, they found it to be uh, more prevalent in high achieving women, which made sense. And, but then as the years go on, anybody can experience this. If you're facing a new challenge, um, if you've been recently promoted, um, if, if you're being thrusted into something that you're not familiar in, you're likely to question, am I capable? Am I, did they make a mistake? Am I supposed to be here? Amen? And like I said, this can be experienced in varying degrees. It hasn't been um, deemed a mental disorder or um, a pathological condition. My, that my point that I want to emphasize is it's a distorted system of belief. And I, if, if you're not careful, if we don't address it at the onset, it can be a powerful negative impact on your leadership, on your influence, on those that are coming up after you. You can, if we stay in this frame of thought and in this frame of thinking, you make the leader that puts you in place like frustrated, like, whatever, just give me the mic, I'll do it. And that's not the place that we want to be in. We have to walk in what he's called us to do. We have to walk in spite of the fear, amen? Amen. And at the root of it, like we said, is that negative self-concept, that dysfunctional humanistic identity. But if I'm relating this to the believer, it has to also be rooted in unbelief and our, and our failure to, to be rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, in our eldership training, one of the books that we were working through had uh, reflection questions at the end. And this book tore us up quite a few times. Um, it spoke to our uh, character, our competence, um, our theology, uh, what we thought about the gospel. Um, and I remember one of the, a couple of the questions they asked was, how does this behavior and this reaction show the unbelief in your life? I'm like, okay, ouch. Next question, how does the gospel apply to the situation? I'm like, what? <laughs> now, first of all, I don't want to answer the questions because that means I got to walk in truth. And if I walk in truth and receive it, it's gonna be, it's gonna set me free. I don't feel like dealing with that. But it, it, more than that, it dug into our propensity to lean to our own understanding. It uprooted idolatry in us. Remember, we was crying one of the zooms. We was like, oh, G, 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 G. Getting deliverance because there's so much in us that shows the reason why we need God. It's not to put us down. It's not to have us walk in condemnation and shame. Um, it is to show us our reason and our reality and our need for God. And so if you're to determine if you're dealing with the, the imposter syndrome, you got to ask yourself some questions. Remember, we said that it's a system of belief. So that goes to your core beliefs. What are the core beliefs that you have about yourself? Do you believe that you are worthy of love just as you are? We talked about that on last week with the fear of poverty, how it's linked to unworthiness. This has the same links to unworthiness as these, this imposter syndrome. Another question to ask yourself is, must I be perfect for others to approve of me? But even more than that, because we are believers, can we ask our, we have to ask ourselves, are we really resting in the gospel of Jesus Christ? It always has to come back to uh, how anchored in the gospel are you? The sufficiency of the gospel. You have to make it personal for yourself. And I'm, and I'm learning about the, the wisdom and the treasures and the nuggets of the gospel myself. I'm not attained it, but bare bones. Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? John 3, 16, he so loved the world. So to display God's love for you is why he came. 
and, and, and that has to be the foundation too. The foundation is to be love, his love, his acceptance, his being created in his likeness and in his image. That has to be the foundation with which we then work in excellence. It's not we working towards love and acceptance and forgiveness and his image. We're working from his love, his acceptance, his image, and his forgiveness. Hallelujah. He said he came to destroy the works of the devil in your life. He said he came to destroy the power and the authority of sin in your life. You have to make it personal for yourself. I pray a revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and each and every person in this place, God, that we would see our need for the Savior, Jesus Christ. God, we know that you came for the world, but you also came for Vanessa. You came for the world, but you also came for Kareem. You came from the world, but you also came for Diana. You came for each and every one of us, Father. No one is left out. Hallelujah. He said that if we come to him, you have, there's one requirement. You have to believe that I am, and that I am a rewarder of those that diligently seek me. That's it. Believe that he is. So I pray for our, our unbelief to be helped. Because remember, we said at the core of every sin, at the core of it all, is unbelief in God and unbelief in his fatherhood and unbelief in his love for you and unbelief of his acceptance, of, his, of your place in his kingdom. We come against that now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So let's talk about some manifestations of the imposter syndrome. Some manifestations. There's three of them. You might find yourself in one. You might find yourself um, in all of them. If you do, we have the Soul Detox line. You can call 860-293. Sign up. All right, so the first uh, manifestation is, which is the most prevalent one, is feeling like a fake or feeling like a phony. Feeling like a fake or feeling like a phony. So this is a direct hit on your competence, right? Your ability to do something successfully, your ability to do something well. You might say things like, I don't belong here. I don't deserve to be here. I feel so out of place. What could I possibly have to say to this group of beautiful people? I'm not an expert. I don't have a word. <laughs> How many of y'all start hiding, but she's like, anybody got a word? We doing the Michael Jackson and moonwalking out of the, you got his hat on and everything. <laughs> moonwalking out of the place. Cause fear creeps in cause we feel incompetent. What else you say? They're, they're more well-read than me. They know the word better than me. They pray better than me. Everyone, everyone here has it all together. I, I, this must be a mistake. Why'd you assign this to me? Why'd you call me? Why'd you choose me? Why did I get hired for this position? I did, this is the main one that I feel like I deal with. I find myself, I said, I still don't feel qualified in my job. I still feel like I'm constantly asking my boss, so how am I doing? Like, can you just, just give me some feedback? He's like, I just did your review. You got, you're doing great. Your numbers are great. Just keep going. I'm still sitting on the phone just waiting for the, he's like, okay, bye. Like, <laughs> you're doing good, Brittany. And it's just like that, 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 uh, that need in me for that external affirmation that I'm missing from being anchored in Jesus daily. Not weekly, not every once in a while. This, we're in flesh. This flesh is enmity with God. You need daily anchoring in the truth of God, in his word, daily anchoring. That's probably why we feel like phonies, because we're not daily anchoring. So when we ask you to pray, yeah, you're going to feel like a phony because you ain't prayed all week. You're going you to feel like a phony, so you're not going to show up to prayer because you ain't prayed all week. You're going to feel like a phony when we ask you to give your interpretation of the scripture that we're reading because you ain't read all week. So yeah, I can understand that, and I've been there. I am there. That's why I'm here. <laughs> That's why I'm here. Nobody's alone. Nobody has to be ashamed or anything like that. What else y'all say? I'll never catch up. I'm too old. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm too old for that. Y'all young, young ones, y'all have that. What else we say? Any minute I'll be found out. That's like the prevailing thought of one that feels like they're an imposter. Any moment they're going to figure out that I don't got what it takes. I'm not supposed to be here. Take my badge now. Take this now. I'm just going to quit now. What does that result in? Hiding, running, feeling ashamed, calling out. <laughs> like calling out again? That's one thing I don't do, Apostle. 
I don't call out. I may come up here trembling and stuff like that, but I'm not. You better not call out. That's for somebody in the back. You better stop calling out. <laughs> they in the front too, she said. <laughs> so we run, we hide, we call out, we quit all together. But I'm here to tell you that your weaknesses do not count you out. Your weaknesses do not count you unworthy. Hallelujah. We we say we say in his in Jesus says in my in my weakness he makes me strong because of my weakness. Don't count yourself out because of your weakness. We all have weaknesses. You are here for a reason. You've been invited to the table for a reason. You have some input, you have opinions, you have ideas and we want them. Amen. Amen. Let me read this little snippet to you from our eldership training. I'll give y'all snippets since y'all gonna sign up for eldership training in a few years. Glory to God. Hilarious. They said, Brittany, she said, y'all can have that. Okay, the gospel reminds us that God does not accept us based on our competence, but solely on the merits of Jesus Christ. Because we're prone, listen, because we're prone to find identity in what we do, we can easily feel that not being qualified to do something like become a minister or an elder or something means that we are not acceptable as persons because we're so prone to identifying, being identified by what we do. So we immediately equate our incompetence to shame. But he says, we must not confuse acceptance, which is justification in God's eyes, with maturity, which is sanctification in God's eyes. Remember, we're all practicing Christians. We're all working towards our sanctification. So he says, the least mature person is as accepted in Jesus as the most mature. This is the good news that we must preach to ourselves daily. Then, confident in God's delight of us, we can humbly acknowledge our deficiencies and resolutely apply ourselves to further grow. So it's not an excuse to you for you to remain immature, but it's for you to humbly recognize I'm deficient, I know I need help in this area, I'm working this area out, and the knowledge of God's delight in me but it's not going to keep me from pursuing my education. It's not going to uh, keep me from pursuing my goals because I have, I'm dealing with lack of competence in this area. Amen? Amen. So the second manifestation, so the first one we talked about was uh, feeling like a phony. Second one is how about, how many of you attribute your achievements to luck? It's just, it just happened by happenstance. It's, I didn't have anything to do with it. God ain't in that. Luck. So this is the second manifestation. How many of you have said, I'm not that smart, I'm not that talented, I'm not that gifted, I just work hard. I wasn't born this way, I have to work harder than everyone else. I was just at the right place at the right time. How many of you have said that? It just it boggles my brain, because it's like, okay, God hasn't graced us with anything he hasn't, he hasn't gifted us with anything to give to the world. When we talk like that, it's, it's, a, it's almost it's, it's a disrespect to what he's deposited in us when we talk like that. But it's, 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 it sounds irrational uh, in face value, but we really, really deal with things like this. And how many know as believers, we do not believe in luck. We believe in God's provi uh, provision. We believe in God's favor. We believe in God's direction. We believe in divine alignment. We believe in those things, and we believe in God's faithfulness, but luck, God said, you didn't choose me, I chose you, and matter of fact, I chose you before the foundation of the world. You are my workmanship, my masterpiece. I created you to do the good things I planned in store for you from before the foundation of the world. Who does that? Before you were a thought in your mother and father's mind, before the idea of the foundation of the world, you were. Does that not blow anybody's mind? Hallelujah. This did not happen by chance. Get the chance out of your mind. Get the fate out of your mind. Get the luck out of your mind. God chose you, and he did it intentionally. He placed you here. He did it intentionally. Come on, tell him he is intentional. Hallelujah. Lastly, third manifestation, minimizing accomplishments. Downplaying your expertise. 
I didn't do a good job. You're just saying that. Who told you to say that? Who said that to you? You don't mean that. You're just saying that because they said that. What is that? I'm looking at you like, <laughs> never mind. I take it all back. Or you might say, I should have done this or I should have done that. I really should have said this. I, I didn't do a good job. Thank, thank you, but I, I didn't really, it didn't really land. That was me. That's definitely me. What I did wasn't really that important. Or what I did wasn't really that hard. Oh, that was easy. That wasn't nothing. Just kind of shrug off your accomplishments. Shrug off and downplaying your expertise when you know good and well. You do, you, there are some things that you do that are better than others. And it's okay to say that. If anything, put yourself in a position of like mentorship or teach someone or impart your knowledge and your expertise into someone, but don't downplay what you know to do well. And those who feel like this, those who uh, talk like this, feel like what they do is never enough. So this links to perfectionism, which, are, which those are the people that are never satisfied and always feel that their work could be better. Rather than focus on their strengths, they tend to fixate on any flaws or mistakes. This often leads to a great deal of self-pressure and high amounts of anxiety. These individuals are always trying to learn more and never satisfied with their level of understanding. Those are always going to school, not saying it's bad. But for me, I'm learning, and I like school. I'm a, I, I love school, I love learning. But at this, I got to a point where I was like, okay, let me master this before I move on to the next thing. Because now I'm just, I'm forgetting everything. Everything's just like swirling around. Brittany, what do you want to do? What you studying? I have zero clue. I, I can't tell you anything that I'm doing because I'm here and I'm here and I'm here and I'm here. Calm down. Take a breath. Breathe. And, this, and, and, and reading this from an unbeliever's perspective, I feel bad for the unbeliever that has to deal with these invas invasive, pervasive feelings. To, to, to go through this without that anchor, to go through this without that peace, to go through this without the truth to counteract the lie, you've got to be in a state. So I thank God for Jesus, that we believe in Jesus. How many know that he gives you faith to believe? That's a blessing. Your ability to believe, your ability to recount the blessings, to remember what he's done, that's a blessing. Not everybody has that. The unbeliever does not have that. What does the word say in Matthew 6? He says, the unbeliever worries about these things. Why are you taking thought for your life? If I dress the lilies, if I clothe, uh, uh, if I clothe the lilies, what makes you think I won't clothe you? What makes you think I don't love you? I love you more than the grass that, that's here today and gone tomorrow. The unbeliever worries with things like that. And I felt, I felt bad for the unbeliever. I was like, hmm, his grace is sufficient for me. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. When I'm weak, he is strong. These are the things that the believer can just come up with and then you just breathe a sigh of relief because you realize that Jireh is enough. Hallelujah, that he's the provider. He's all sufficient. And we've got to continue to take this to the world. Take this with, to someone who maybe not be a believer and they're just down on themselves. Like, why are you so down on yourself? Let me tell you what I read on this week. Let me tell you what I learned on this week. Set yourself free. So I'll give you guys some homework this week. All right. Just a few things. Personal, personal stuff. Assess your abilities this week, but not only that, just write down and remind yourself of what you've accomplished in your life. Consider, consider what you bring to the table, what you have to offer. And I remember um, I did this for myself too. Apostle actually gave me the assignment a while ago where she told me to write down a certain number of things where I matured at specifically in God. And it was so timely because I wrote everything down and I literally saw as I was writing it down, I was like, wow, this really manifested in my life over these last few years. What I struggled with, what I prayed for, what I was insecure in manifested in growth over time in my journey with God. And so you, you do this exercise, you feel confident, you're, you're glorying in God. It's, it's not even in your own self. You're like, God, I thank you. you. You brought me from a long way. So this is an exercise to remember where you came, where he's brought you from. And so you're not so scared and anxious about where you're going, where he's taking you. Consider what you bring to the table. Also, apply it. 
Take time to, to teach someone else. Take time to mentor someone else. You'd be surprised at what you remember when you're put on assignment. <laughs> That's why you got to, if you don't use what you, the knowledge that you gain, you def, I definitely lose it. So when it's time to teach it, be like, all right, Minister Brittany, you have to preach next week. I'm like, I had, I had a word. I wrote it. I wrote it down, but I, have, I don't remember what I want to say. Go blank. So you have to like constantly use it. Possible, I'm not telling you to put me up every week. I'm just saying. I'll use it a little bit more, but not every week. Not every week. Not every week. I said not every week. But you do, you have to use it. You have to use what you've been given, if not for yourself, for someone else, right? We got to think of the next generation that's coming up. Amen. Teach what you know. You'll be surprised at how much you know when you actually use it. And lastly, question these thoughts that we're having, the irrational thoughts. Question, is this thought irrational? Bring it to a, a friend. Bring it to a colleague. This is what I've been thinking. Is this crazy? My husband does it with me all the time. I'm like, yeah, that's a little bit crazy. Or I'm like, no, you're not. You're not losing it. You're good. I got you. That's what we have to do with each other. And what does the word say? We have to take captive what? Every thought? Bring it into subjection and captivity, into the obedience of Jesus Christ. This is what we have as believers. We do not war as the humans do. We do not uh, uh, hide. We do not run away. We do not quit. We use the weapons that God has given us, taking captive every thought, every negative thought, bringing it into subjection of Jesus Christ. The word is good. You see how it can just, it's an answer for everything. There's a strategy for everything. Hallelujah. So we got our three, you got your homework, you're gonna assess your abilities, you're gonna remind yourself of what you've accomplished, you're gonna find someone to teach or to impart your wisdom to, and you're gonna question your thoughts. And the physiological effects too, like if you get an assignment or something and you know you don't feel as competent in that area, pay attention to your physiological effects. Why am I sweating? <laughs> Why is the sweat dripping now? What is happening? <laughs> Ask questions about those things. Why, why am I going through this? What's happening? My head is hot right now. Amen. I guess. Amen. So I'll leave you with these encouraging scriptures because the Bible says that we have to think on these things. I'll read a couple, but you can read them at your leisure. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4, we just said it. We are human, but we do not wage wars as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. Philippians 1, 6, I am certain that God, who began the work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished, on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Philippians 2.13. There are a ton of affirmations of Philippians, just FYI. Philippians 2.13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. 2 Peter 1 and 3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by what? Coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by, by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Bon, I feel like you want to preach. Yeah. Philippians 3, 8 through 9. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I've become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on and stand to your feet. I'm closing. I pray that this blessed you, that this helped you. God, I thank you for filling in every weakness. 
I thank you, Father, for handling every discrepancy, God, from where we're at now, Father, to where you have called us. God, help us to remember where you've already taught us. Help us to put into application what you've already taught us. Help us to work it out, Father, even on this week. Father, help us to continue to be imitators of your son, Jesus Christ. God, that we would work from a foundation of your love, your forgiveness, your acceptance, your image, God. That we not strive, oh God, for love, but we strive from love, God. We thank you, Father that you have made us adequate. We thank you, Father, that you have called us. We thank you, Father, that you have commissioned us. We thank you, Father, that you equip us. We thank you, God, that you justify us, that you send us out, God, that you call us worthy, Father. Hallelujah. Come on and give God praise. Come on, we're thinking on these things all throughout this week. Hallelujah. Continue to remember what he's done. And I pray you do your homework. Do your homework. Come on, give God praise. God bless you. Thank you for your time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Come on, did she show us a five-fold teacher today? That's what we're discipling in this house. That's what I'm talking about. How awesome and how excited she was with the Word of God, right? Wow. I know the fivefold teaching on Tuesday nights have been jacking her up. She's been sharing it with me, and she's like, Apostle, it's like it brings all of the things and the pieces of you together to know that I am truly called of God, and I am truly a teacher in the kingdom of God. She came to me. You know, Apostle, teachers are supposed to be over the education yeah, exactly, right? And um, and it was funny because we, it's probably because they're standing up, right, with the laser. No. And um, I said a while ago to y'all, I said the teachers are supposed to be over the education, but like she said, things kind of bounce off. But now you can tell where it's clicking, where Mom's words are coming back home now, where she has confirmation that apostles, the teachers, are the ones that's supposed to be. You see how God has a plan for the church. And with his plan, you don't have to have burnout as a pastor because I don't have to worry about all of the education department. The teachers are over the education department. And he has a plan worked out. I'm so glad. I'm so blessed. I'm so honored. Thank you, Lord. I was thinking this morning to Pastor D, your daughters led praise team today. Your other daughters preaching today. Woo! Come on, let me praise him with you. The Bible says it's like a feather, right? Come on. This is the fruit. There you go. This is the fruit of what you have been praying for and working for. What an awesome job. You should be excitedly just boasting in God on what God has done. Come on, y'all who have children that are still out in the world. Those who have children that are believing that they're going to come into the kingdom of God. Look what the Lord has done. Thank you, Lord. Look what the Lord has done. Thank you, Jesus. Do you believe him? Do you believe him for it? My, 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 my. He's a mighty God. Definitely heard a teacher today. I love when I can take notes. Absolutely. When, when your disciples can teach you where you can take notes, that's an honor and a privilege for me. I don't want to sit there high and mighty. If Jesus said, greater work shall you do, I expect so much more from y'all than what I've ever come through. For the little that I have placed in your hand, it should become much. That you should be able to make so much more from one seed. My God, I'm blessed. I am blessed. I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to celebrate all by myself. Minister Brittany had me concerned for a little bit when she came in the church because all that she shared, she had great faith crashes. She was up and down. She was unsure. And, and if you don't have solid people around you, this is when children or young adults can be led into things of the world, getting their identity in my sexuality. Because sometimes I feel attracted to women, I must be gay. The very people that say they don't like labels got more labels than, than the ingredients on a can of chicken noodle soup. And it's true. 
Because we don't find our identity in Christ, we begin to identify with anything that comes in the world to us. The world needs this type of teaching and education and anointed living words of God to change their life. You are not who you are in sin. You are not who you are in words that come out of your mouth. Hallelujah. It's by faith. Just awesome. And, and, and to teach this, because I begin to see you mentoring and teaching workshops and teaching this to other women. And to teach this without scripture is powerful. You can still reach the masses. You can still get into establishments that don't want the gospel. And when them two or three that God has touched in the audience come to you, you know, why is this? Why then you can say, you know, why don't you give me a call and I can talk to you and lead them right in the gospel? Because there could be a room of masses. But there's a remnant that God's going to always be there to hear what he has had his people go out into the world to say. When you, when you study this even deeper, study it first without scripture, and I promise you, scripture is going to come up all through your spirit. And then when the scripture is applied to it, what it takes us back to, y'all, is our core beliefs. It's what we believe about ourselves. Look back at your family life. What were some of the things said to you? or not said to you that have formed these particular beliefs about yourself. It all goes back to self-love and self-esteem. I promise you. I didn't write the book just because we did 30 days in January. I wrote the book because God took me on a journey. And of all the things that he could have called himself, he called himself love. And it's not so much the love that we think being nice and affectionate and touching one another. It's the love that you have enough to do everything else that you need to do in your life and in this world. The foundation is love. When you build, when God builds us, this is our foundation. This has to be love. Before you can put any of this glass on this thing, this foundation got to be right. If this foundation isn't built right, this glass is going to crack. It's going to break. It's going to be easily tipped over. It's going to, people are not going to feel the strength of this thing because the foundation, our foundation is love. And the old church made us feel like we were ravenous wolves to talk about having love for ourselves. But the Bible makes it clear for a husband, if you don't love yourself, it will show up on how you treat and love your wife. So that first love, that love that only can be understood from God is what we all need to be working on this year. That it is not selfish to love myself, even my brokenness, even my flaws, even my insecurities. I was listening to this, this guy and I didn't listen long enough to find out if they were Christian or not. I was just listening to what he was teaching. He wanted to lose weight right every morning he woke up and he said good morning stomach and he talked to it and he said this is what's going to happen to us today we're going to go down today and every day he and he said little by little his stomach began to go down because he began to speak to his stomach instead of ignoring it and avoiding it and he said he learned this thing to begin to speak those things y'all happen to know a scripture to go with that to me the world is using the bible they just don't give reference to the scripture in the one who wrote it. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a teacher. He was the I am that I am. Hallelujah. Do you know him today? If you don't and you want to come to this altar, we welcome you to come to this altar now. If you don't know him today and you're online with us, we welcome you to give us a call at 860-296-2323. We will pray with you. We will lead you through prayer. We will be with you to walk through your discipleship with you. If you know him and you're struggling with this identity and you want to come up for prayer, you can come up to the altar now as we begin to close out this service. The ministers are going to work with you while we close down the rest of the service today. We want to sow a seed in this preacher today. If someone would come, please. And if you would prepare a seed to sow into this preacher for bringing such a mighty word of God today. To hear what you've been bringing forth come with reinforcement. What a difference. That's why I'm so happy for prophetic Sunday summer school. Because the echo of what's going on in his house has to come from the prophets. God is equipping. He is so ready for us, Apostles House. Are we ready for God? Are we ready for what God is doing? Are we ready for what God wants to do in this house? And we're being prepared by breaking down these barriers of faith. Amen? And all these things of fear that comes against our faith. God is going to do it. God bless you.
Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hello, Reverend. Amen. <laughs> All right now. Thank you, Lord. All right, we're going to get ready to leave this place. Anything we forget? Prayer on Tuesday. Amen. She touched on prayer. So now I know why y'all don't be coming to prayer. Because y'all ain't praying all week. It's hard to get in prayer. You feel like a fake and an imposter. Get into the house, y'all. Even if it's the last 10 minutes of prayer. Rush in here from your jobs. Get into prayer. Lay at the altar. You don't know what. There may be a word in this room for you. God may deal with you on his own right here at this altar. Get into Bible study. Don't be left out again in what God is doing. Don't be, tell your neighbor, come on, don't be left out again in what God is doing. You're going to be behind a year or three years if you don't get in on the wave of what God is doing now. Amen. He's equipping the apostles' house at a rate and a speed that I believe is going to make up for all the years we've had to deal with everything else. That's why we got prophetic boot camp for this summer, and I'm blessed by it. Amen. Thank you, Brother Chris. All right, we're going home. You just want to lift your hand just a little bit for a moment. Father, we thank you for the seed that has gone forth and has been spread throughout the airways. Because, Father, we know that the enemy is prince and power of the air. But, Father, you have given us all authority in heaven and in earth. And we unlock the power necessary for this word and this seed to go forth to reach people in all nations, in countries, and in households who did not believe in the name or the words through Jesus Christ. We send it forth with power to break yokes and blood, Father, to make atonement for every shame, guilt, and fear-ridden person under the sound of our voice and beyond. Father, it is your will and your way is what we want to line up with. We give you glory and honor. We thank you for this preacher today. We thank you that now, Father, through the Spirit, we lay hands on her. And we give her back all of the encouragement and the strength and the confidence and even more that she would go forth even higher the next time she mounts this office to execute her assignment, God. We thank you for every person in this room and every person on the airways. We thank you for the man that was texting me this morning from the website from Haiti. And he said, I'm ready to be blessed as he was preparing to listen to the service today. God, we give you honor for each one because we don't know who hears the message. So we want to be equipped as your messenger to bring your message throughout this globe. We thank you for each person in this room. May we go in peace today. May the anointing of God remain upon us to break every yoke of our life. And the blood of Jesus be with us, God, to make the atonement through confession and repentance for everything that is trying to hold us down and keep us back. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and go in peace. Ministers, I think we'll probably need about, what do we need, 30 minutes to shift? One thirty. So the in-service will start at 1.30 if you need to drop family members off or run an errand or get something cold to drink, you'll have time to come back. We'll start at 1.30.